explained how God works and brings you to a certain point in our life. That was an interesting conversation with Glenn on the, on the plane, and um, I'm very thankful for that opportunity because he did, you know, God knew that later on um, maybe we'd have this opportunity as well. So this is great. Thank you for having me here. I'm really pleased to be here, and I am sorry that my husband can't be here with us because he really wanted to be here as well. Um, but uh, I'm usually the one that <clears throat> is the upfront speaker, so I was the logical one to not stay home with the uh, guy coming to fix the chimney today. Um, also, it was the guy coming to fix the chimney today, so that was probably not a good idea. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I thrive on being busy, okay? Um, I do my best work when I am under a deadline, and I love to have new challenges daily. I enjoy my work, and I admit quite often I work a little bit more than I should. Um, I also have to admit that there is a certain satisfaction I get when people say, hi, how are you? And I can say, great, I am so busy. And I can then list off all the great things that I'm doing. Um, now, I'm not using this opportunity to confess my shortcomings to you, although you'll probably hear a little bit about that, um, or inadvertently tell you exactly how busy I really am, because that would be wrong also. Um, but I do want to take some time to share a little honestly with you um, just in case my struggles are similar to some of your struggles um, that you're having now, maybe in the midst of all the craziness of school um, and what you may have um, in your ministry that's ahead. Um, one of the first times God showed me that I have this struggle with um, overloading myself, um, I was sitting in a classroom on a cold, rainy day in December in, um, in Vancouver taking the Kairos course. For those of you who don't know what the Kairos course is, I'll give you a very quick, brief version. It's like perspectives, only lighter for anybody not academic. Um, somebody said, if perspectives was the novel, then Kairos is the movie. So that kind of idea. <laughs> um, but if you want to learn more about that, I'll talk about that later. That's not the point of the story. Um, but I was, I was sitting there um, reading over the materials and um, kind of interacting with the stuff and, and looking through the worksheet. And the per one of the, the um, points of the Kairos course is not just to take the head knowledge about um, God's heart for the nations and missions and discipleship, but it's also to move it from your head to your heart, what's God telling you about it, and then putting it to practice, you know, what's God telling you to do about it. So I was asking those questions. And as I was looking at that last question on the worksheet that really brings it to the, okay, now what are you going to do about it, I could barely read it because there was tears in my eyes, because I realized that God had been working with me through that lesson, that I needed to um, do more with my prayer life in regards to these reach and unreached people groups around the world. And as I sat there and thought about that one seemingly small thing that God wanted me to add, I did not know where I was going to fit it into my schedule. And I realized that there was something very wrong if I'm looking at a question tears in my eyes, feeling overwhelmed by stress. And um, I realized at that point I need to do something about it. So I've been reading this book lately, uh, some of you may have already read, may have read it, by Ruth Haley Barton called Sacred Rhythms. Um, if you haven't read it, highly recommend it, even though I'm only in the first chapter because I haven't gone further than that. <laughs> because seriously, the way they work, she works the book is you read the chapter, but then she has all these exercises at the end of each chapter to let you sit with it and kind of internalize these teachings. Well, I've skimmed through the book, but then I just got stuck on the first chapter. So that's a, I guess that's a good thing, right? Um, but the first chapter is called Longing for More. And the very first quote she opens with, 
is by Meister Eckhart, and it says, The reason we are not able to see God is the faintness of our desire. So when I read that quote, it really hit me. It really hit me hard. It asked, made me ask the question to myself, Do I really desire to seek God when I have difficulty even extricating myself from the busyness that I have allowed in, into my life? I'd like to take a look at a very short verse in John. I'm actually only going to read the last half of this very short verse. And it's found in John 10.10. 10. Everybody knows it, I'm sure. The last part of it, I'm reading from the ESV. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I am very aware that I'm not a theologian. I am certainly not. Uh, I haven't taken my MDiv or anything like that. My, my track has been more adult education and things like that. And I know that I probably am taking this slightly out of context because Jesus is a smack in the middle of the Good, good Shepherd story. Um, but I also am very sure that God's using that one little part of the verse to teach me a lesson. And I don't think it's enough that Jesus came to give me life. Just life. I mean, it, that's big. <laughs> it's pretty big. But it's not, it's not enough. He, he's, he came to give me life in abundance. And... I don't know that I'm necessarily always living in abundance. Do I think that I have life in abundance when I'm so wrapped up in the busyness of my life that I can't take time to hang out with friends? Um, how about when I'm feeling stressed and probably a little grouchy and not really happy with things because of all my busyness? Am I living an abundant life then? I wish I could say that I learned that lesson back at that course when I was sitting there with tears in my eyes reading that. Thing, but I am a little hard-headed. It takes me a little longer to learn things sometimes, and God needs to bring them to my heart um, lots of times before I get to a point. And I don't think I'm there yet. Actually, I know I'm not there yet. Um, but through reading some articles and reading this book, and that, it's, it's bringing it a little bit more to my, and actually working on this brought me to a point, too, as well, as I was looking at it this last week. So there's a few things that I really feel I need to work on, and if that's something that is, it resonates with me, great, um, but I'm speaking from my own experience. But the first thing is to carve out time to be with Jesus. That's right. Um, we all know that we should have our quiet times. We all need to sit and read the Bible. We need to pray. And um, that, I mean, obviously, we all know that. We need that to grow. But I think we need to look at it a little bit differently than maybe what we traditionally, or what I've traditionally looked at it. I've always looked at it where my quiet time is I'm sitting in a chair, you know, with my Bible, and I read my Bible, and I pray, and it's this dedicated time that I'm going to just be disciplined to do that. And that's good. I'm not negating that. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to unteach anything you've been taught. But I think that there's more to it than that, and there's some other things that we do in our life that can bring us close to God, even if it's not sitting, reading the Bible, and praying alone. Um, so I don't know if you guys are, have done like any inventories on spiritual pathways and see where you guys are at. I, I, I have done a couple of them. There's a few out there. Ruth Haley Barton was involved in one. There's one by Gary Thomas um, in his book, Sacred Pathways. Um, but what I found out when I did these, some of them are they're slightly different, but they kind of boiled out of the same thing in a lot of cases. Um, what I found out, though, it really released me from some of the guilt that I had in not being able to always sit down and do my designated quiet times or, you know, those things that you were supposed to do, right? Um, so the three things that, read, that, that came out of my inventory was that I feel closest to God when I'm with others. That's really hard to believe, me being a people person.
person and all, but um, when I worship, even though I can't sing to save my life, I love music and I love to worship corporately. Um, and when I'm doing great things. Now, I had a little hard time with that one when I, when I first read that, but, um, but as I read a little bit further, that one really resonated with me. So as, as uh, Glenn said, I, I serve with Wycliffe. My husband and I joined Wycliffe only eight years ago, um, so we're a little bit late bloomers. Um, we went on a mission trip, and uh, we were really excited about it when we got back. It was about 12 years ago we went on this mission trip, but it took us a few years before we got to the, any point of joining Wycliffe. So we came back, amazing experience, talked all about it, thought it was a wonderful thing. Um, and even though our colleagues, well, now colleagues, then just friends and trip leaders, they kept introducing us as their pre-missionary friends to everybody that they could find. <laughs> um, we would just go back to our room and laugh because, you know, we're not missionary material. What are you talking about? I, I mean, I sold industrial tools for a living, okay? <laughs> My husband was a welder. Like, we are not people that are missionary material, right? Especially with local Bible translators who are like the educated of the educated, right? Um, so it wasn't wasn't what I thought. So the interesting thing was, even though we didn't feel called to missions, God put a restlessness in us after that trip. And I can't put my finger on it. Neither one of us really talked about it to each other right away. It was just kind of a growing thing. And finally, I don't know which one of us said it, but we're just like, oh, I don't know if this is all there is. You know, I mean, for us, it wasn't enough anymore to do what we were doing. And, um, you know, even though our life was pretty good, we had a really great church, we had decent jobs, we had a home, we had life, right? But it wasn't enough anymore. But it did take us until another few years before God really opened a door for us. And the first door he opened was um, an opportunity to manage um, a center here in Nova Scotia for Wycliffe. And uh, we, so we went there, my husband was a property manager, did an amazing job at the building and property, 61 acres. Um, I built programs to, you know, bring people closer to God and do all kinds of great things for Wycliffe. And, um, and then last year, Wycliffe made a difficult decision to close the center. So here we were. I don't know if, honestly, if I had known seven years prior to that, that that was what was going to happen, if I would have uprooted my entire life and moved. Um, but God knew. He knew that I needed to be kind of pushed in that direction. So here we are, you know, seven years later, trying to decide what to do with our life. Like, what do we do? Do we leave Wycliffe? Do we do this? But it wasn't time. God still had a calling for us in Wycliffe. And um, he still had a plan for us. And he knew, even before I knew, that doing this, these great things was something that was something I needed to draw closer to him. Um, 